You're listening to the Sewing and Grown podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. Welcome to the Sewing and Growing podcast. We're super glad that you're joining us for this special episode. It's special because yeah. guess what? what? It's a new episode. We've never done one like this. That's why it's special. <laughs> yeah. And hey, you're special. Thanks. I was or are you talking to the I was audience? Talking to the audience. Oh. But go ahead. You're special oh, too. Thanks. Thank you. Um, we're all special because we're all made in the image and likeness wow. of God, which makes us seem very unspecial. But God is so big that we all can have different. We're all unique. Expressions of a God, yeah. of a God, of the God, the God, the monotheistic God, <laughs> of God, and we can all be unique, and it's still just Him because He's so big and so magnificent. Yeah. And we all come from different uh, backgrounds and experiences. Listen, we come from small communities. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of a fan of the small town vibe. I like the feel of it. Makes me think of a song by John Mellencamp. I was born in a small town. Yeah, but I don't like small town shopping. Uh, sometimes I do because I love going into a grocery store and knowing everyone's name. Like, know. cheers. Everyone knows You're, your name. That's a, yeah. I'm, I need to stop. No, singing. shopping local is great. It's great. But every once in a while, I need to get into the big city and get my stuff. I just need to get it done. Right. And then you get to enjoy the experience of going shopping in a big city. That's true. We can travel. This is the 21st century. We can go there. You know, I probably wouldn't appreciate the big city if I lived in it. My point being is that you may be in a big city. We'd love to hear a review from someone outside of our community. In a metropolis. Yeah. And why not just throw it in the uh, review? People are concealing their names in the reviews that we have. You don't have to give us our name, but can you give us your town that you're living in or your, your city? That'd be great. Yeah. Some of you are listening right now and you can open it up and you can leave a review while still listening to the podcast. You can. You can do it right now. Yeah. Give us the city. Get Chattanooga. That's all I need. But every location has certain frustrations. It does. And small towns, something that (laughs) is frustrating for this guy sitting across the table from me is a four-way stop. (laughs) Oh, man. And the town that he lives in, there's no stoplights. No stop. Well, there is a blinking stoplight that is just there to tell you, hey, I'm here and I'm blinking <laughs> and deal with the four-way Use stop. caution. Yeah, use caution. Oh, yeah. The big city comes with many drawbacks, like all the traffic associated with it, but they have a pretty good infrastructure and roadway system and they have lights that tell you when to go and not to go. Around here, we have the antiquated your, system of a four-way <laughs> stop. It is up to your interpretation of the law. And that's very frustrating to me. I'm trying not to let it rob me of my joy, but I'll just give everybody a quick uh, lesson on four-way stops. When everybody says, hey, if you get there at the same time, it's the person to the right of you. That's not necessarily true. If you get there at the first time, you first have to examine who is going straight and who is turning. Because if you get there at the same time as someone else, the person who has the right of way, regardless of whether they're to the left or to the right, is the person who is going straight. Make Mm -hmm. sense? So if you are the person going straight and you get there at the same time as somebody who's going left you have the right of way you will go first right so it's always the person who's going to impede or not impede on traffic as much the person going straight is not impeding into another lane of traffic while they're turning right if you are both turning then the person to the right has the right of way that makes sense do you have anything to say I just wing it, man. I show up and I start inching out. You know like, what it's going And then I, I remove. You play traffic cop. Are you playing I, traffic I cop? I remove my hand from the wheel and I start waving. Ooh. I'm that man. 
Dude, I'm the frustrator. Folks. I probably have been frustrated with you in a four way stop and maybe not known it was you. That's the worst for me is when I get to the four way stop and someone feels the need to be the traffic cop. They might have gotten there first and they clearly have the right of way, but they start waving everybody through. And my thought on the matter is you're just slowing everything down. If you knew the law, you would have already gone and I wouldn't have had to have seen your hand gesture and then I would have already been able to go. I'm just saying that's a little frustrating. So, hey, in the midst of your frustration, audience, you chose to listen to the Sewing Gone yeah. podcast. Don't, get it. Don't even get me started on roundabouts or <laughs> zipper merging. Oh, man. <laughs> that Actually, could be. get me started on zipper merging. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, do you, I'll start, say it. Okay, let me just say this. Up. Let me say this real quick. I'll start you up. You'll never stop. Like yeah. the Rolling Stones song. Ooh. I'm just feeling the song. Yeah, you're a music buff. If you guys know anything about John, he knows a lot about music. I know a lot about movies. And both are kind of useless, but they're fun. Um, And I don't need to talk about zipper merging. Um, But if you noticed, we're kind of shooting the breeze here. Um, And that's what this podcast is kind of going to be about. Every once in a while, we're going to have an episode that kind of the subtitle will be Shoot the Breeze, which means it's not structured and rigid, but it's us more just kind of talking about a subject and you get to be a part of it, Um, especially if you leave a review. (laughs) (laughs) We may allow Um, you to uh, recommend some things if you leave a review. But uh, there is a a little bit of a title um, to this one, and we're going to call it Weekend Warriors. And it's all about hobbies. And I like how John, we were talking about this a little bit beforehand, but um, maybe I, I'm going to butcher it, but um, kind of blending the lines between sacred and what did you say? Sacred and secular. Sacred and secular. And you might think that sounds sacrilegious, but God wants to be involved in every aspect and every part of your life. And so many times we draw really hard lines and we say, you know, when I'm, when I'm doing my hobby, that's my hobby. And when I'm at church, that's church. And you can't blend the two. And a lot of times we forget to include God even in our hobbies. And he wants to be involved in everything. You know, the Bible says acknowledge God in all of your ways. All means all, including your hobbies, right? Including the weekend warriors. And we just want to talk a little bit about that. We're going to shoot the breeze. There's Again, there's not a whole lot of structure to this episode, but hopefully it still blesses you and you get something out of it and you might learn something new about certain hobbies and one hobby that me and John both really like we haven't done recently but there was a season in our lives that we were actively involved in a community hockey league a co-ed hockey league we were gonna say men's league but it was not men's league it's not men's league we actually had a lady on our team more than one yeah well the first lady on our team her name was Hansel wow Either I was on a different team than you. Was Gretel also on the team? I don't think so. <laughs> no. Her name was, or was it Hansel? Han- Hansel. I don't think it was either. Remember, and her husband was in A-League, and he's yes. like, she can't play with us. She's not good enough. Was it Can she Hansel? be on your team? Hansel? Hansel. Hansel. That, hey, hearing that back from Hansel my voice doesn't sound as outrageous as you. I'm pretty sure her name was Hansel. You might be. It's starting to come back to me. Something soul, you know? Yeah, she had brown hair. She's taller. Yeah. Her brother's like an ultra, not her brother. Her husband. Her husband. Really good skater. He was He's also, like an ultra runner. Yeah. And he also was a um, ref. Let me just clarify. I have no problem if your name is Hansel. That's yeah, fine. Totally fine. But it just came out of left field. It shouldn't have. Yeah. Apparently if her name actually was Hansel, but uh, I just didn't expect it. So you guys may not know this, but um, there has been an active NCC hockey team 
that's been a part of this rec league for many years. 2015 was the start of hockey at New Creation How did church. it get started? Got started from a parishioner who was going to our church who was helping build the preschool by the name of Bill Hall, mm-hmm. who came from Washington State and played a lot of hockey in Alaska. Yes. In the military, in the Air Force. And he knew I was a hockey player, so he... he he has a natural gifting to gather people together. Sounds like the church. Sounds like a Christian principle gathering yeah. people together. He said, let's start a hockey team. The funny thing is there were only like three of us who actually knew how to play hockey. <laughs> uh, me being one of them. And we gathered a bunch of guys and some girls from the church and started a hockey team at the lowest level. C-League. League. C-League. There's C, B, and A in a very small community in Colorado. <laughs> And the story began. Yeah, I mean, you've played. You've played your whole life. You've been a goalie your whole life. You I played pretty competitively. I played too. very competitively, and I probably shouldn't have been in that league. But because most of the rest of the team didn't know what they were doing, they allowed it. Yeah. So John approached me and said, "Hey, you want to be a part of this?" And I, I love just physical activity. I love sports in general. I, I play as much sports as I can. Um, and it was. I was like, you know, I've never skated before, but I have some incentive because I'm about to marry a Canadian. That was the case. He was about to marry. And I go up to Canada and everyone and their grandma, and I'm not even joking, everyone and their grandma knows how to skate up there and not just skate. They can skate circles around you and they can shoot the puck. They can play hockey. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I better learn how to at least not be a fool on the ice. So I decided to join. Can I say something about the word puck? Because you're always dropping little trivia nuggets and you probably know where puck comes from, the name puck. No, I just know that's the sound it makes when it hits you in the mouth. That's actually not. I can't <laughs> tell you the play. Maybe you can help me. I'm pretty sure the Shakespeare play. It comes from a Shakespeare play, oh. A Midsummer Night's Dream. Is that a Shakespeare play? It sounds like a Shakespeare play. There's a mischievous fairy, and the fairy's name is Puck. And that's where they take the name from because the Puck causes mischievous things wow. like a fairy. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. Anyways, we got started with this league, and... It was one of the best seasons of my life. I mean, I haven't played recently. I'm going to get back into it, but I broke my I broke my foot. Not doing doing hockey, but I was playing basketball and I broke my foot. So I haven't been I able to play in a that. few years. Yeah, it was a little traumatic. Um, but yeah, man, we got started on that, and like the, like the rest is history. It was so much fun. Some of the best times of my life were on the ice skating with the boys and the few girls. Yeah, it was, and it's it. it was therapeutic. Would you say that? Yes. I think most hobbies are therapeutic. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't realize the healing benefits of hobbies, but they just do them. And um, there is, would you say that there is a rightful place in life, in your schedule for those types of hobbies? I think so. Yeah. Because I would agree. of the therapeutic nature. Because of therapeutic nature. And I think physical activity is great for the soul. And I heard a statistic that even uh, physical exercise and moving your body can help in mental health. You can get rid of the majority of mental health issues that most people have. If they're already living a sedentary, non-active lifestyle, introducing some activity can go a long way. Now, ultimately, that's just secular. But if we include the sacred into the secular, you're really getting the therapeutic benefit. Yeah. And what was... Some of the things that we included 
when we were merging those lines between secular and sacred as a hockey team? Well, the first part was having the recognition that we were a church-sponsored team. So you literally were wearing a jersey that had the (laughs) church name and the logo on it. And I think that was just a picture example of what it means to be a Christian. Because whether we know it or not, we're wearing a jersey that people are looking at that says Christian, even if you're not wearing a fish on your shirt. People know what you put on your Facebook bio. Some people click on your Facebook bio and see what you believe and what it says about your religious I click on people's about. I want to know where you worked. I want to know all your siblings. Yeah. And if you're crazy enough, you put your phone number on there. But there was something about playing hockey (laughs) and realizing when a ref didn't make the call you wanted and the game was getting tight and you have the opportunity to slash somebody, which is hit somebody with your stick, and then realizing (laughs) I'm wearing a church jersey. Yeah. but God just put on my heart, you're always wearing a church jersey. You are the church. Yeah. So again, it was easier for us to connect that. We prayed as a team. And we prayed before every game. We'd invite the other team to pray with, with us, us. Yep. which shocked many people. Yeah. But we had some people who did join us. Yeah. That was great. So those were some of the ways that we merged. Do you have some other things that you want to add? Well, to I was going to say those two things. I'll say this, okay, we invited a lot of the church to come out to our games. And yeah, in we the had first the couple years, out of we had a lot of church members coming out and watching like, hockey. They would make signs and like ring bells and stuff. Yeah, they would ring bells and have signs. They would come to the games. Yeah. And again, this is small People town would wear jerseys they would to wear church jerseys sea league hockey so like you go to the ice rink and there's like three people in there watching the game but when we played our, our a third not a third let's say uh about 20 people from our church would show up that was pretty fun i more than any other team yeah more than any other team but you know there's a lot of parallels that we can paint i think sports are always a really great parallel um, when it comes to, you know, that's part of the reason why you put your kids in sports when you're young is to learn some very imperative life lessons about working as a team, character, um, uh, discipline, right? And I realized that if I was going to not be a fool on the ice, I would have to discipline myself to practice when it wasn't just game time. And uh, so me and David Stevens, we would go to the open skates and the stick and pucks and the times the ice was available outside of a game. A lot of times you're expecting yourself, you have a certain way how you want to perform, but if you haven't put the practice in, you're not going to perform like that. And hockey is very demanding, right? How yes. long is a, a normal shift on the ice? Uh, well, ideally you want it to be about 30 to 45 seconds. And yeah. if you go hard for 30 to 45 seconds, you're done. You're done. You're, and you're wanting to let somebody else get back on the ice when it's your turn because you're still gassed. You're still recovering. Yeah. It's very physically and demanding. hockey is a is a you know basketball you play you could play for an entire quarter without getting a sub. It's not that way with hockey. Every thirty seconds, the entire line should be changing. It didn't always happen that way, but it should be changing. And one thing I thought was interesting, you know, I might be trying to really strain out a spiritual principle here, but I thought it was kind of cool. Is uh, when you're sharpening your skates. A lot of people don't know this. You obviously know this, but you're not skating on one edge. You're actually skating on two edge. It's uh, they call it the hollow of your skate. It's a radius. It's a half circle. So actually, there's two edges to your skate, and you got to decide what type of sharpness you want your skate to be at. And so you go into the hockey rink, and a lot of times they have this nice little chart there, and you can have a really shallow radius, and that's really good for speed, but not good for turning, right? Mm-hmm. Or you can have a really deep radius, 
And that's really good for turning, but not good for speed. You got to find a good balance in between. Maybe I'm trying to strain out something really spiritual, but life is full of balance. Should be. And if we add God into our recreational activity, what are we adding to our life? We're adding balance. Yeah, we're adding balance. So my personal preference was a half inch. Yep. I've gotten different uh, radiuses <laughs> throughout my life and throughout my career, which there should be different amounts of balance that we add depending on what we have going on. Right now, I'm not playing hockey because I'm trying to devote some more uh, time to other endeavors in my life. Can I ask you this question? Yes. We hear about some people who are disconnected from their family because of the softball league, because of the recreational activity. How does something that's beneficial become something that is not beneficial? Um, well, I think that people who get so involved in those activities in the first place probably don't even have a really good list of priorities um, or their priorities fall in line with whatever brings me the most joy in the moment. And so, you know, you may not have a great home life. You may have some struggle with the wife and the kids and that's kind of like your outlet. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but if you're misprioritizing your life into what brings you the most joy at the moment, it's going to really make everything else suffer. So I think anytime you want to partake in 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 a in a type of recreation or in a hobby, you really got to have a good list of what your priorities are, and that cannot be at the top. And you and here's the thing: if you're married and you want to have a hobby, like for me, I like playing golf a lot. You got to create a list of priorities. And then you got to share that list or create that list with your significant other and say, this is where this hobby falls on the list of priorities. So it might be somewhere near the top, might be somewhere near the bottom, might be in the middle, but you both decide on where that falls in the priority list and then you stick to it because where it causes conflict is where somebody has not defined where it lies in the priority and the wife or the family thinks it's down here. And, or, you know, it's not always the husband, but I'm just saying, you know, we're two guys here. So we're just using husband as, as an example. The husband has it listed as number two when the wife has it listed as number six. Now we've got some conflict. So setting some clear expectations and priorities is going to help. That's good. So you think priority is a big focus on that? Yeah. Letting those be known, the big thing. And just bringing marriage into it. And because I recently went through a well-known Christian marriage book in preparation to be marriage, his needs, her needs. Mm -hmm. The number two emotional need for a man, for most men, is recreational companionship. Mm. Shared activity. Shared right. activity. And he makes a really bold statement with that for people who are struggling and men that are struggling with their wife in recreational companionship. And this is what it is. He said to stop doing any recreational companionship that doesn't include your wife. Doesn't matter how much you enjoy it. Doesn't matter what it is. Don't do it. Find something, even if you guys have to do new tasks together, wow. till you find something you both can enjoy and you do that task with your wife until she becomes your favorite person to do shared activity with. Wow. Is that saying you can't, so you don't do anything by yourself? He's saying, no, you can do stuff by yourself, but men like to do things together. They like yeah. to play basketball together. together. They like to play hockey together. Right. They like to do an individual sport like golf together. So yeah. if you have somebody other than your wife that is your favorite person to do that with, you need to build it with your wife till she's your favorite wow. recreational companion. That could Big take a statement. Long time. Can't. I just bought my wife a pair of golf clubs, a set of golf clubs. Sounds like you're 
naturally, not even purposely falling into practicing these wow. things. Yeah. We're going to go to the range a couple of times. It's, it's winter now, so we've kind of missed our opportunity, but we'll go up to the clubhouse. Clubhouse has a simulator now. Yes. We'll play it in the winter. Have you been to Junction? There's like a Z zone or something by Barnes & Noble. Z zone. No. It's, apparently, it's like a golf simulator oh, restaurant cool. all in one. Besides the point, I was thinking where it becomes difficult, and I've just really been working on my heart. Um, again, I want to be mature in my life, and I think a lot of my issues come from an emotional immaturity. And I was listening to this guy who was talking about how you can't be spiritually mature while being emotionally immature. And he was talking about signs of emotional immaturity in someone's spiritual walk. And one of them was the uh, separation of secular and sacred. And we make those distinctions. And I think when we make those distinctions between the two, uh, we go into things with a release. You know, mm -hmm. I just need a break from the church. That I need a break from my wife. I need a break from God. I need mm. break. And if we're looking for a break from something, maybe we're making distinctions where God isn't making them. Because if God's still in the recreation, we can't fall away from God and our family. If our family is still in the recreation with how we're prioritizing it, uh, yeah. we can't fall separated because none of it's separated. Uh, we we like to box things up and. I don't think things in God's mind are as boxed up. No, no, not at all. So I think when it becomes boxed and it becomes a thing unto itself is maybe where that difficulty and that uh, destructive nature of recreation where it should never be that comes into that. You know, a really good example of a healthy balance, I would say, is even our own pastor, Pastor Mark. Um, he loves to golf. Um, but I know uh, he always has a very, very good balance and he's really good at um, you know, that example of including God and in everything. And I'll just give you an example, like sometimes that we lift you and I have even lifted with him. Um, and that is something that he even will put on his schedule as an appointment because he sees, he sees the importance and the value. It never is going to override something more important. It has its place, but because it has its place, he makes time for it. And when we lift, uh, we're not just lifting and grunting and slamming weights. What are we doing? We're talking about the discussing word. Discussing the word. We're discussing the word. And that's awesome. And, um, you know, I think that just brings so much more vitality to even these these natural hobbies when you can include God in it. And God, I mean, I think God cares about a lot of things that we probably don't think he cares about. You know, he can help you in your hobby. You can get better at it. He can help you in anything. I think that's a great distinction you're making. We don't recognize it, but the moment we cut God out of those areas or don't include his involvement on our part, not his, he steps out of that area. He's not welcome in that. And he's not welcome to improve your strength gains, your gains in the gym. <laughs> he's not there to help you be more relatable. And we limit others' ability to get to know him through our involvement. Something that could be very evangelistic, something that yeah. could show God's goodness to people yeah. in the world outside of the church right. becomes limited because we've limited God's ability to speak through our lives in that area. Yeah. Uh, you said, you know, he's not concerned as much with you gaining strength in the gym. So, you know, you know, God's not like, yeah, I really want you to bench 315. But God is saying, I really want you to stretch your faith and believe me. And if this is an area that you can do that, then let's do it. And I will help you. And, you know, I sometimes I think people get some slack for, you know, believing God for these types of things. And they'll say, well, 
you know, you're while you're believing God to help you bench 315 in the gym, there's people starving in Africa. And you're like, okay. But God's big enough. Well, yeah, he is big enough that he deals with all that stuff at the same time. And I should, how am I saying this? Can I say a thought about that? Just yeah, off that ahead. statement. And that I need came, to fix my mic because it's that, about to fall over. That I heard and I've been chewing on is when we get statements like that. Yeah, I know you're in the gym, but there's kids starving in Africa and you could be on a mission trip. And what if you, uh, what if you, instead of buying $30 worth of essential aminos every month, you sent that to a missionary in Africa that could save a child's life? You start thinking those things. I just want to challenge that that premise of God addressing you is not God addressing you because Jesus was moved by one thing that I really see in the Bible, which was compassion. Mm -hmm. He wasn't moved by guilt and he wasn't moved by shame. People try to do it all the time. Hey, Jesus, don't you know your mom and your mom and brothers are over there trying to get your attention? He wasn't moved by that. Hey, this person's dying. You need to move right now. He would. Oh, he waited three days. Yeah. Regardless of the reason, he was moved with compassion. Yeah. Sorry. Now I'm holding my mic now because my stand has failed. That's why I didn't, you know, that's one of the Thank reasons you. why I didn't go boom. Well, I'd say this, you know, that person, even though they're trying to bring guilt, you do need to think about that because if the extent of your faith is only for your personal gain, then you're missing it. But the whole goal of this and even just even these hobbies in general and believing God and including him is to build your faith so where you can believe God. I mean, if you're never thinking about the child in Africa, if you're never thinking about the lost, if you're never thinking about things outside yourself, then you are missing it. You you are. I you're totally missing it. I'm just saying the fruit yeah. of a lasting change from that type of questioning, I would challenge. But ultimately, yeah, God'll bring it a compassion to your heart that will definitely move you. But again, off topic, but like being guilty, like you're in the gym when you could be in Africa, like, oh yeah, but I'm in the middle of my set, God, stop talking to me. <laughs> it's not necessarily a compassion. It might turn into that, but a compassion is a deep movement, like deeply, like I care about that. I see a need and my heart's moved to that area. Yeah. And that'll move you and you'll have fruit that remains, right. not a one-time check that eases your conscience that you send to a missionary. Yeah. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> That's good. And the more you include God in things, the more you get accustomed to hearing his voice. I mean, you may be in the gym and God gives you an idea how to help, help the Africa, child in Africa and maybe do some physical activity and exercise in Africa and yeah. based on the around who knows the possibility. But when we allow God into that area, possibilities come about and Absolutely. opportunities come about. And we were shooting the breeze here. Not a whole lot of structure, but anything else you'd like to say? Um, no. I'm going to make one more comparison. Do it. it. It may fall flat on its face, but I thought this was so cool. Bringing it back to hockey. Bring it back. Okay. When it comes to a slap shot. <laughs> Tell me what a slap a shot is. People a lot don't of people don't know what this actually is. You might think you might be somebody who's outside of the realm of hockey, but you've probably heard of a slap shot. Yeah. Maybe. Tell you them what a slap the, shot is. It's where you raise that stick back. Preferably at waist level in our league, you get called for a high stick if you bring it up any higher. But it's the most powerful shot in hockey. You bring it back, you wind that thing up, and you send it to the net. And a lot of people think you're hitting the puck. But I'm here to tell you that you are not hitting the puck. If you were to slow down, well, eventually you hit the puck. But 
all of your energy is not actually directly placed onto the puck. It's actually directed about six inches behind the puck onto the ice. So if you slow down a slap shot, they're hitting the ice first behind the puck. And what that's doing is it taking all that energy and it bows the stick. And then it takes all that energy and throws it into the puck. And it goes harder and faster than you could ever send it just trying to hit the puck on your own. So the puck, how much do you think a puck weighs? I don't know. I mean, it's it's pretty heavy. And it hurts when it hits you. But trying to just hit that puck with the force of just as fast as you can swing the stick alone is not going to get that puck very far. And it's going to hurt your hands. But you need some outside help, which in this case would be the ice and the energy that's transferred from the ice into the stick, into the puck. But what I'm trying to say is you can't move heavy things on your own. I'm really making a, I'm really making a spiritual comparison it. here. And so sometimes... You're going to some divine and, empowerment. You know, sometimes we try and move something on our own. And you might be able to move it a little bit, but not nearly as far as if you have the help of the Holy Spirit, some divine empowerment. And... Uh, you know, it's interesting. Go ahead. The stick is like our life. Yeah. We can hit a task first right towards the task with our life. And if you hit a stick to a puck, the blade of the stick to the puck, it'll move. But if you take that stick first to the ice, the ice influences the stick. And then the stick can do so much more than it would if it just went with it. So if we first, before we go to the task that we're looking to do, and we hit that with God first and God influences us. We're able to take that thing so much you farther. Maximize that, brother. That was awesome. Thank you for letting me Again, be. Again, I part. think I probably would have had a way better formulated explanation if I wrote it down, but we're shooting from the hip. This is called shoot the breeze. So, anyways, let's do a wisdom of the day real quick. Uh, you want me to tell you mine? Mm-hmm. I would say that a hobby can quickly become an idol and a god if you clear if you don't first set clear priorities and boundaries on that hobby. And I'll just say this real quick. When it came to hockey, my pastor and my wife knew that if it conflicted with church, I would not be playing in that game. And so setting clear expectations and prioritizing it before you partake in the hobby is going to make sure that it doesn't become an idol and it's going to ease some conflict with those who you are in relationship with. First things first. It's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, first things first. <laughs> right. I thought you were going to say something say- else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that didn't come across the best. But I am going to be meditating on, for my wisdom of the day, is that I'm always wearing a jersey. That's and when one. I played hockey, it was so clear that I looked down, I'm like, oh, New Creation Church. Probably shouldn't say that. Probably shouldn't play that way. <laughs> probably shouldn't uh, do that. But I'm always wearing the jersey of the life of God on me. So... If I was mindful on the ice rink, I'm not going to blur that line of sacred and secular. I'm going to wear a jersey every day and represent Jesus well. It's my wisdom of the day. That's good. Amen. Well, thanks for listening in on our little conversation dialogue here. Hopefully you're able to pick a few nuggets out of it and maybe apply it to your own life. I know that we're not the only two people who enjoy hobbies. Mm, so true. most people do. So I just want to say this. Normally, we pray at the end of a podcast, but I just want to say a few things. I just want to declare them. I want Do to it. say you're blessed. I want to say the life of God is for you and you are empowered to live in it. Amen. So there's a time to pray and there's a time to just say some things. Yeah, that was good. All right. Thank you for tuning in and we look forward for you joining us next week on the Sewing and Growing Podcast. With Jay and Jay. <laughs>